podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio, with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms, and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello and welcome to another episode of Scouser Tommies on Anfield Index. I'm Jim Boardman and I'm with Jay Reed, and we've not been around for a while doing one of these shows because we've had loads of stuff on and it feels like ages since we've done a show. Liverpool have played loads of matches since we've done a show, but it's actually not that long ago, two, three weeks ago. Um, but in that time, Liverpool have had six games. Um, and as we record this, it feels like, well, straight after the Toulouse game, straight after a 3-2 defeat, um, which was hot on the heels of a Luton 1-1 draw, which was a bit dire, wasn't it? It feels feels like we're awful. But then you look at the four games before, four wins, um, and the, you know the last three were away, the three before that were at home. So obviously we've got plenty to talk about. And um, the last game we looked forward to was the derby, of course. We've not even talked about that yet. Um, you know, so it's always good to talk about derbies, isn't it? Because as Liverpool fans, it's very rarely anything other than a good occasion. But Jay, um this last this last couple of weeks as well, last week even has just felt like Liverpool kind of gone the wrong way compared to the really good start we had. But as I've just said, you know, it's not it's not all being bad, has it? And maybe if we go all the way back to the derby, um, you know, you start wondering, I think looking ahead to that we sort of we were confident, but you still always got that little bit of a doubt, that bit of derby belly that kicks in and makes you wonder whether it'll work out. But we got the job done and of course got it done with a little bit of controversy which always makes it a little bit sweeter doesn't it yeah so well it does seem like an age goal uh, and obviously it was it was a derby nerves but it's it's nothing to do with the fact that we're better than them it's just you know you just can't lose that game um, which we said and yeah the, the fact it was won with a Tinge of controversy, you could probably best say, and uh, a hint of luck in terms of us keeping 11 men on the field to a point. Um, we cannot say, and there's this tendency to, to go one and upfield for an odd foul, and um, whatever, and would obviously have to, and he could get. Um, you know, it, it, it was the games, it won't be remembered for, for many reasons, but it was the fact that we got the job done. Um, she come back. I've got to check who scored Salah, and it's Salah got both. Um, so we got a hen. Um, it was the handball, wasn't it? When we probably should have had a penalty earlier on for the foul on Diaz. Um, who was who was having a lot of joy down there. Their right hand side, obviously, was the reasons Ashley Young was sent off was because they he's about forty six and trying to play. Premier League right back position and he has, was just roasting them. <laughs> um but yeah we got the got the solid penalty and then it was you know a, a late break on it was kind of 
reminiscent of last season. Um, you know, we got a break. Nunes broke down the field, um, picked the right pass, and yeah, laid in Salah for the goal. And we off we went into the Saturday afternoon, and um, jubilance as always, and give them plenty to moan about. And yeah, the the, the arrival to work on Monday morning was was interesting to say the least. Um, you know, plenty of smiles on the red side and plenty of grimaces and angry faces on the blue side, but it was it was not to be expected in terms of what they were gonna, you know, present with their case for why they lost a game and whose fault it was this time. Um but I guess in the end quality showed through and yeah, looking back to what was that three weeks ago as we probably look at it tomorrow. Um Things did seem more rosy in the garden, even you know the the few games after that. But yeah, the the last last two games obviously were coming off the to lose defeat yesterday, um, and obviously that that performance and everything else that happened at Luton, um, it does just sort of cloud your judgments, and it kind of now feels as though this weekend at home to Brentford is. Is vital in terms of a getting the points on the board, which we probably should have expected we would have from the Luton performance, uh, the Luton game, sorry, um, with the performance didn't deserve much more than the point we got, and you know give us that feeling going into the international break of of positivity because if we don't beat Brentford, you know, free on the spin in games that we probably all would have highlighted on the calendar as wins, um, isn't really a feeling you want to be carrying for. 10 12 days until you play again. No, and I think that's it. And international breaks, I always think it's just that there's all that extra sort of pressure, isn't there, to kind of, you know, leave on a high, get your players off on their international work, whatever, um, you know, hoping for the best with them, they come back in one piece and all the rest of it. But if on top of that, you've sent them off buoyant because you've just won and the lads who were staying back are able to kind of train and prepare for the next game, um, you know, with that as the background to it all, then all the bear. Um, the other thing I was just thinking with Everton is um, it's it's funny, right? How in that game they'll they'll point to the referee. Um, I mean, Dice got booked, and it was obviously you know not not a great game for them. Plenty of controversy. I don't, from what I can vaguely remember, I don't think Canati should have been um, shouldn't have been sent off. But I get why we subbed him straight after because it was a case of he's cutting it. I you know he, he didn't deserve to go with the with the tackle everyone talks about but that was a moment where you think well the next one could be just that little bit further over that edge or even you know a totting up thing you do a couple of them and the, the class is a yellow or whatever so um, that's where I can remember thinking it's just like it's not it's not right for him to go you know why get so wound up about it and the penalty as you say no surprise but the thing is whether the ref got it right or wrong it's not our fault and this is just what I love about the Evertonians is they're not angry as much with the ref as they are with us, as if we've made it happen, as if we sort of said to the ref, uh, can you do this? Can you turn a blind eye to that? Can you, um, you know, be us? And we get the blame, yet. I mean, let's face it, would anyone really think that we can get a referee to do anything that we want as a favour? I mean, as a club, uh, we, we've not had the rub of the green off refs. And my worry going into that game was, you know, we've moaned about rest a lot this season, um, but we've had good reason to. I just don't think they had enough to be so angry about, but it's default position for them, isn't it? Yeah, I imagine the, the sales of Tim Foyle down County Road are probably through the roof. 
um, with all the conspiracy theorists down there of, you know, how it's Liverpool and all that business. Um, you know, we, we've got a fair argument as to, you know, why we've been on the, on the bad end of decisions from referees, you know, as, as recent as last night, um, you know, the, the, the handball, um, ruling in this current day and age is, is not fit for what actually took place and we'll, we'll get to Toulouse later on but you know you, you think back that Spurs game was the absolute debacle of the season in terms of refereeing and stuff like that and I think there's been discussions in the media how this international break is a moment for for clubs and Mr Webb himself you know to, to get together and, and try and thrash out some sort of sense for you know, that's not going to happen, is it, with the PGO or well, Howard Webb in charge, but, you know, try as they may. Um, but yeah, it's it's never it's never the fact that Everton are very good, but it's always somebody else's fault. And when they come to Liverpool, it's, you know, we never get out of Anfield. And, um, you know, I, I went to the game with Mason, and as you were saying in the car, one of his, his mates who work, works alongside was saying it's, this was going to be his 34th visit to Anfield and he's only seen them win once. You think, you know, okay. after about seven or eight, you'd probably jib it, wouldn't you? Um, Tramley fans have had a better time than that, haven't they? Yeah, he lives for the moment of, you know, that, that one time that Everton will win an Anfield and he, he, he has to be there. Well, I feel like it's a long time coming when it does, but, you know, good, good luck to the lad. Um, he might have grandkids to tell by the time that comes around. Um but yeah, they're, they're just the way they are. Um, and, you know, coming off that game, if you, if you look at, you know, the, the games pro- uh, since that, you know, Everton have, have picked up a couple of decent results, um, you know, in the, in the league. And they've sort of, they've had moments um, where they've, you know, they, they've done well for themselves. But, you, you know, for the fact, if they, they go somewhere and they don't get the rubber degree, um, you know, it won't be their fault for being crap it'll be someone else's fault so yeah since since they played us they've they went to West Ham and won um, they beat Burnley in the cup um, which is is open for winning um, and I get the funny feeling we are going to meet Everton somewhere along the way if we are going to get to the Carabao Cup final which I think we will um, and then they held Brighton last weekend um, and they were ahead in that game as far as I remember and um, Brighton got a late goal, eighty odd minutes on, and Ashley Young of all people was the goal scorer. Um, you know, just to compound, you know, is a good start to his Everton career. <laughs> um, but yeah, that, that you know, just 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 ended. You know, just their sort of their form is that you know the lad who got sent off from the derby goes and cuts, scores an own goal, and he could have could have had three wins on the spin there, but you know it will happen. Um, well, yeah, the, 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 in recent weeks, they're the in positive, buoyant moods. I think they, they got the derby sort of defeat out the system pretty quickly because they're that used to it, aren't they? It's like, you know, you've got a bit of an upset tummy, but, you know, once you've got rid of it, you sort of forget all about it. And, you know, it'll come back again. You know, you, you'll always get an upset tummy again. Um, you'll always lose an outfield again. So it's just one of them things you live and you sort of get on with it and the week passes and, you know, you get back on with life. Yeah. I'm not sure they ever get back on with uh, anything other than looking at what's going on with us. I'm sure they have more fun watching us lose than they do watching their own team win. Oh, when... they, they reveled, reveled in our defeat last night. <laughs> yeah, and that's it. And, the, you know, we lost in a competition that 
end of the day, we, we'll go on about it in a bit, but, you know, end of the day, it wasn't the worst fixture to lose, as as in, sorry, no pun intended, but it wasn't the the worst fixture to not win in um, when you've already done so well as we have in this tournament this season. And it's a tournament that they are nowhere near getting into. You know, it's not that long ago. Um, they were crying with us about us maybe taking their Champions League place back in 2005, then we didn't. And then um, that referee took it off them instead. And that's such a long way away for them now. They've sort of, you know, th- this is where they were sort of aspiring to. They're always looking at us, always wanting to match us, always wanting to try and be better than us. They don't kind of look at anything else. We're the sort of yardstick for them to look at. And by doing that so much and then constantly sort of not looking at what the real problems are, they've ended up slowly, slowly, slowly working their way down the table. To be fair to them, you know, they might even survive this season without having the big dog lifting um, relegation pyro um, moments at the end of the season. You know, that's been the most the highlight of the last couple of seasons. But they've definitely gone right down from where they used to be. Um, and a lot of the time they've sort of moaned about managers in the end after they've given up moaning about us because they've realised that we only, we only play them twice a year so it can't all be down to us. Um, they start having a moan about the manager in the end even if he did shout at clock once or whatever else it might be. But then eventually they start turning on on the boardroom and it feels like that side's still not sorted for them um, and they've just lost um, someone out of the boardroom. To be fair to him, I would say has always had, in his own way, the club. He's loved the club. He's always wanted to do the best for the club. It's just that sometimes, as we found with David Moores, to be fair, that sometimes the person who wants to do the best for the club isn't always the best person to do it. And I'm talking about Bill Kenwright, who passed away shortly after the derby so we kind of of like toned down how much sort of laughing we could do with Everton but I suppose a bit of time's passed now and that and um, the two things aren't connected but it's a sad time obviously they've lost him we're still waiting to hear on the takeover we're still waiting to hear on this FA sanction stuff it feels like their problems are a long way from being sorted even if even if they do decide to even if they do survive this season I still feel like they're a long way off getting back to that team that could be arguing with us about who should get the Champions League placed yeah I think you know it was it was a sad time and um, it was never a good time for, for any club to lose such a pivotal figure um, and yeah I think the, the comparison you made with, with David Moore's and what what he done for Liverpool? Um, unfortunately, he sold us to a couple of Cowboys, but that wasn't you know his fault. He was thought he was doing the right thing because he he couldn't take us any further, you know, financially, and the, the game got got too big. Um, you know, got in the days of the the local businessman done well by his local club, and um, you know, and, and and keeps them running, and you know. Maybe maybe lower down the system. There might be you know a couple of clubs who can sort of do that. Um, you know, you look at sort of like maybe non-league football or whatever. Um, but in this day and age, it's football's a business. Um, and as much as Bill Kenwright was a businessman, he was not a global businessman. And um, you know, he's a, he's a national businessman in terms of his successes. Uh, you know, with with Everton and obviously stage and screen sort of. Um, work as well, but it, it wasn't it wasn't a nice time. Obviously, straight after the derby, and yeah, you, you couldn't revel in it. Um, but I think it was very very poignant and very touching that you know that was 
I think they won the or Tuesday um, after the derby and we played Toulouse in our home game at the Europa League on the Thursday um, and I don't know how, how it was seen on TV but obviously I was at the ground um, and about seven seven or eight minutes before kickoff, and um, it was an obviously an announcement around the stadium and and they did play uh, here at Heavy East by brother and there was a you know a three minutes of applause um, from all corners of the ground um, for Bill Kermace, um, you know when you know th- that's that's where football, you know it it, it then just is remembered. It, it's just a game, yeah. you know that we we don't take take part and, and enjoy and watch. And we always said, you know, it's ninety minutes or in these days maybe one hundred and twelve minutes are your lights, you know, every three or four days or every Saturday or whatever, um, you know, and it gets you away from reality. But when something like that actually happens and, and a club loses a legendary figure um, you know you, you put your, your differences aside um, and, and you're on a you know their legacy and, and what they've done for that other team and, and the same must be said for um, the Sunday game afterwards Nottingham Forest and um, the remembrance of Bobby Charlton um, obviously a Man United huge figure as well um, you know there was a, a moment's applause for him which was impeccably observed by the Anfield faithful, and it just shows the class of our fans um, in a time when we've seen in the last week or so, you know, the, the class of fans, you know, and knowledge of, you know, society and people, and just respecting, you know, what other people stand for and what they've done in their lives and their careers. It doesn't matter, you know, what your allegiances are of tribalism, football. You know, you, you can put that to one side and just understand that, you know, it's just a game at the end of the day and you shouldn't be disrespectful towards other people um, because there was a there was a mob down in North London who were, you know, highly disrespectful last weekend as well in, in you know, stark contrast to what Liverpool fans were for, for an Everton legend and a Man United legend a couple of weeks before. Are you that person who has everything? The coolest merch? And those must-have fan threads. Well, over at our Anfield Index shop, we've gone that extra mile when it comes to pimping up your Liverpool collection. From our popular range of bespoke design t-shirts, sweaters, hoodies and hats, to our signature edition mugs, prints and coasters, all provided with fast worldwide shipping. We have something for every red. We also stock official LFC merchandise and are licensed with the Premier League and UEFA to sell official iron-on shirt badges and sleeve patches. As a listener to this podcast, you can get 10% off everything with coupon code AIPRO10. Just head over to anfieldindex.shop or find us on Etsy by searching for Anfield Index. Yeah, and I think, I was just thinking, you know, as we're talking about Everton, and um, you know how we guess, you know, you got the banter, if that's the right word, between Liverpool and Everton fans, and it does get... It has got a bit bitter at times, and I've I've had people, I don't know, you, you you can only go so far taking the piss out of them because some of them really do um, take it a little bit too personally. But on the whole, it, it is just a bit of a laugh between people. It's just, this is our thing, that's your thing. You're you're laughing. We're, we're, next time, you know, although it's taken a long time, the, the usual idea is this time it's us laughing, next time it'll be you. And any of those sort of blues that you kind of have this, this sort of, I wouldn't say argument, but you know, these exchanges where the, the truth is, if anything happened to either of you, that you, there was a sign that one of you needed some help with something, whatever it might be, emotional support, financial, 
um, you know, some advice, whatever, someone to come and bail you out of some situation. Um, anything at all is that the way it is, is that that sort of stuff's forgotten. Um, you'll get helped out and then there might be a bit of piss taken afterwards um, once it's all done. But there'll be no no messing because I think that the thing in Liverpool is the overriding um, attitude to other people is that if someone needs your help, you give it. You don't wait to be asked. You just give it. Um, it just feels like that's the instinctive thing to do. And, you know, in that sense, it, it wasn't a surprise that the way... Well, the reason that that song was was played was because it was for the it was the sort of whole it was the whole thing about Liverpool and Everton being together over Hillsborough. The whole city got affected by that. But you know, and you'd like to think that if it'd been the other way round, we'd have been the same with them. Um, but in reality, I just think the way people in the city are is, you know, give and take the the odd fringes that we we tend not to be knobheads. You know, um, we we tend to kind of care about other people. And it doesn't really, I, I genuinely think, you know, if, if someone from Manchester just happened to be around needing some help, they'd get it. You know, it's not it's just that, generally speaking, in Liverpool, it's Liverpool and Everton fans you bump into. Um, if, and I think people forget, I mean, there's all this, I mean, the rivalry with Manchester United is obviously a lot more vicious and physically vicious it's been in the past as well. May know, you know, no bound, bones about that, but it is just a game. And, if, if people want to sort of look at the links between the two clubs, there's there's plenty of links of Matt Busby and Liverpool. You know, if if people don't know that, I'd be surprised. Um, something I sort of forgot about as well until until Bobby Charlton died was a story Bobby Charlton was saying about how Bill Shankly used to go around to his house and all kinds of stuff. Um, Bill Shankly used to go and see Bobby Charlton, and you know, he, he, there's a good story on the Liverpool website actually. So I'd say have a have a Google for Bobby Charlton Shankly or something. You'll find it on the Liverpool website. It's just really, um, really nice story. I mean, it's an old an old piece on the Liverpool website it's from 2013. But the site the piece is still on there. Have a read of that. Um, it's worth a it's worth a look because it just tells a bit about this sort of um, football rivalry. You know, there's a lot of mutual respect. And then, as you just mentioned, the other thing that just winds me up is. It says a lot about people. I just think it says a lot about people that it doesn't cross the minds that coming out with that victim chanting might not be what they think it is. I've seen all these excuses that, oh, we didn't think it was about Hillsborough. They're always the victim stuff. Well, it, it's pretty obvious it is, and it's pretty shitty, and it's not just banter. And then you can't really go around saying that it was just banter and then saying you feed the Scousers shit. And um, on Raw... After the Luton game, Dave Hendrick pulled up some stats, and I think they are actually from Luton's own council, so they're not like they're not biased. Pointing out that in in various different ways, there's a lot more poverty in Luton than there is in Liverpool. A lot more. There's still too much in Liverpool. There's still too much in this country that, you know, the the, the current government have not done anything um, to alleviate that situation. They've just made it worse. But you know, rather than singing all this stuff and being so sort of nasty all the time and so privileged, and I think. This is what they're doing, and I think the thing that got to me, I think more than anything, is you, you and me both know that we'll, from our, as Liverpool fans, we're lucky to have the club on our doorstep. We're lucky that um, all we need to do is get a ticket, which I know it doesn't sound any, you know, we still a lot to do to get a ticket, but all we need to do is get a ticket. We can get there for for buttons. It costs us buttons to get to the ground. Um, we can do it and still do other things at home that day. But getting the ticket is expensive, and you know there's a certain amount of privilege. And I know you're the same as me. You, you, you're glad you've got that chance to go to the game. You're glad you've got that ability to do it. You know, geographically, but financially as well. And 
To be sat in a football stadium where you'd maybe paid 50 quid to watch a game and to mock people who were too poor to put food on the table, I just, it just to me, I just feel like it says a lot about the kind of people sitting in that football stadium and what kind of people they are. Yeah, that was that was probably the most loud I've heard a fan base. Now, it could just be to do the fact that, you know, Luton's ground looks like it was built out of wooden timber and salty. Um, I you know put together makes good and look high tech. It does, like you know. I know that looking are punching well above the weight, and let's be honest, if if they manage to stay up, they wouldn't be lasting long next year. But I imagine they go down and I can't see when they'll be back up in the top place, um, because the the way 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 out of their league in terms of what they're doing, um, but you know whether it was something to do with the acoustics of that ground, but there was, what, 11, 12,000, I think they were saying in commentary in there, and, you know, that's basically the equivalent to what we're missing at Anfield in, in the upper deck of the uh, Annie Road, but it was so loud in terms of what they were saying, um, you know, and if, if they go, oh, I don't know what it means, always the victim, you know, well, well, why sing it? If you don't know what it means, you wouldn't, you wouldn't say something if you don't know what it means. Uh, it's like it's like telling a joke and you don't understand. Why would you? You wouldn't tell the joke. Yeah, and understand the punchline. They know the connotations of what it is. Um, you know, and and they're just they're just idiots. You know, like there's, there's so much more you could probably use to describe them, but they're, they're just idiots who who are jumping on the bandwagon. Oh, look at this! This will mock the scouts and wind them up. You know what I mean? And this will get at them um, because what? Because like I say, newspapers probably said it or. Other small-minded, narrow-minded people and fan bases of what, like, oh, well, this gets at them. Well, what they probably don't understand is there was, what, about 1,200, 1,500 Liverpool fans who made that journey um, down to Luton. And every single away game, Liverpool fans, if it's available, will supply to food bank collections. You know, as much as there's food bank collections around there, then there shouldn't be food banks. That's, that's the, the be-all, end-all of it. There shouldn't be them at all. But if a team is collecting and Liverpool are the away team travelling there, they will, you know, they will partake in, in supplying goods towards that food bank for the local area. So, you know, ironically saying feed the Scousers when the Scousers are coming down and feeding your own, you know what I mean? It, it's mm-hmm. it's laughable that they, they probably don't understand that. And that's just a mark of the people that we are. You know, you've mentioned many a time, it's, it's a generosity thing of, of Scouse people to make sure, you know, Someone next to you might not be doing so well off for you. You'll put an arm around them. You'll do what you can to try and help them. You know what I mean? And if it's a small gesture of, you know, providing some, some food products for the food bank for the local area that, that might need them, then, you know, the scouts are the first people to put their hand in their pocket and, and help do that. And um, as well as obviously doing it on their own doorstep. And it's, it's going to get worse because we're coming to the time of year now. We're what, five, six, seven weeks away from Christmas and, and that song. You know, obviously, will be sung by pretty much every team of English heritage that we will play over the next few weeks. You know, I've I fully enjoyed actually going to Europa League games and seeing European teams come to Anfield this season in Toulouse and Union Saint-Germain so far. And we'll have Lask at the end of the month. You know, they come, they love what they're doing around the city because they, they might not ever be here again as their team. You know, it's very very rare in recent times that we've dropped into the Europa League and this could be the one time some of these fans will make it to Liverpool 
and see their team play and they just enjoy every single moment. The team might get spanked like Toulouse did the other week 5-1, but their fans were fantastic. They had the time of their life. And obviously, unless you're fluent in French, you probably don't understand what they were singing. But, you know, the respectful towards you never walk alone. You know, they are quite often... Um, European teams will, will hold up their scarves aloft and, and respect you never walk alone as a song as a heritage towards Liverpool as a club and a city and you know they come and they're having a good time and they sing along and they just do what they want to do they don't don't seem like they're you know there to degrade the city that they're in and the people that they're in the company of but you know we, we've got we've got numerous teams coming to Anfield over the next few weeks and months you're going to hear it because it happens and Cable statements like what Luton and the FA put out saying, you know, they were investigating the minority. It wasn't a minority, it was the majority. You know, there might only be 11,000 in there, but you can probably guarantee eight to 9,000 of those people in that stadium were singing things that they were singing last Sunday. And I really think that the only action that should be taken, obviously, is, you know, education first, but Let's not allow them fans to come to our field. You know, they, they they are respectful towards Liverpool fans and people. So stop them coming to our field. And only then they might start to learn, you know what? This isn't right. You know, it's it's wrong what we're doing. And we're punishing our own club by not having to travel and support. And we're punishing ourselves by not being allowed the opportunity to go to such a good stadium and go to such a good city and enjoy ourselves. And and maybe then we might see start, start seeing signs of education because feeble statements and you know and measly fines if ever they get put out are not going to change anything because it's happened for years and years and now is the time for change I think I agree we need we need to do it we need to find a way around any like in the FA Cup you've got to give X percent of your tickets where there's always so that's why there's always so many more away fans at, at FA Cup games that's why they get so much of the annual road end when it's an FA Cup game um, find ways around that um, I mean it's probably the worst thing to do but you know a quick idea off the top of your head um, if you've got to let, got to let him in, charge him an absolute fortune to come in and give all the extra money over the top of the normal ticket price to some uh, some local charities or something. Um, but yeah, I agree. We should be able to. It's our ground. Turn around to them and say, "You're not welcome here." You know, it's an, you're in, you're invited here, and we expect there to be like rivalry and a bit of tribalism and stuff like that. It's what football is. But um, you know, th- there's limits. There's lines to not go past, and if you're going to go past them, you're not coming. You're not welcome. Um, I mean, and I, I agree what you're saying as well about fans from overseas. It's totally different. There's this like, and Liverpool fans have been travelling to Europe for football for a long, long time. And there's been so much sort of, um, you know, when you see before a game, a European game, the two captains used to sort of swap one of those. Uh, are they, do they call pennants, those sort of triangular flag things um, with each other before the kickoff? And then, you know, that get taken off and, and stuff. And you'll still see some of those in Liverpool's uh, museum, the LFC's museum. Um, but it, like off the field, there were Liverpool fans and local fans exchanging cultural information, if you like, with each other. You know, swapping bits and pieces, and um, so many stories to tell. And okay, yeah, Liverpool fans can get a bit boisterous, and so can any any group of football fans. But there was generally speaking always some good, good-natured fun went on in the cities that we visited as fans. Yet um, it's totally different when it's domestic football. I can remember being in the press box. Of, um, for a Europa League game a good few years ago now, probably when Rodgers was here. Um, and I can't remember we played the Italian team. You never walk along, started singing, and all the journals are getting up with their phones and their iPads or whatever, how long ago it was, um, filming 
you'll never walk alone from the cop just for themselves this wasn't you know this was before the time that you used to get journalists sticking stuff on twitter throughout a game and stuff i know that happens more now um at the time it didn't really happen and that's what they would they were just respectful of it and they weren't the only people i saw being like that um yeah in this country it's just so different and if if there's one club do deserve to have the fans not allowed into other clubs because of what they do it's probably Luton because I can remember in the 80s they didn't want any Liverpool fans or anyone else's fans in their ground um, to watch them play on that plastic pitch so um, yeah they've gone really down in my estimation they weren't very high but I was sort of had hopes for them coming up into the top flight and all this time to be fair to them um, they did eventually put some kind of um, apology out which was wholeheartedly to ap- apologise to anyone offended by the chance um, said they were extremely disappointed and the manager Rob Edwards has apologised today, he said he wants to apologise as well um, we don't condone that chanting of course there's an investigation going on at the moment um, and he must have been asked if he had any message to fans and he said well go out tomorrow, we want them to bring a noise but let's be good and respectful, that's because they're playing Man United at Old Trafford tomorrow Saturday um, and as he mentions, it's Remembrance Sunday and then Bobby Chapel's funeral on Monday. Um, but again, you know, your manager is in a press conference before a big Premier League game. Um, you know, your second massive Premier League game of the season because you did think playing us was a massive game. You know, that I've heard them say that. Um, you've got another one now and your press off and your manager's having to talk about your chanting. You know, you're bringing shame onto your club. Um, you know, you should you should be ashamed and. The other thing, just as my really sort of last word, and it probably is for now, is not all Luton fans are going to be knobheads. Not all Luton fans are going to be horrible. A lot of Luton fans will be disgusted by that. And, you know, you need to educate your fellow fan then, don't you? You know, that's the thing. If you if you were at Anfield and you heard someone chanting something shit, you, you what, what would happen? I mean, I've, I've heard people sort of say something that's shit at Anfield that maybe someone who's not, not a local, whatever, doesn't realise. What what happens instantly? They get told, don't they? Yeah, I mean, even to the point of uh, our last home game was a, my God, it's a forest. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, I'm confused. as you said, it's been three weeks, but we've had a half a dozen games in that time. Um, so yeah, I, I was I was at the game, um, and two people down from me. There was a couple of German fellas um, who were in the car um, to see the game and um, I only grasped they were German at half time with all due respect because they, they uh, got the Munch and Gladbach scarves and flag out and were singing um, German songs and when I asked for the photo which were obviously was completely duly advised and yeah, give them one um, but about 15 minutes into the first half I could smell like cigarette smoke and you're thinking where's that coming from mm-hmm. and it was him like with the not having a little smoke in the cop because you can do that obviously in Germany on on, on certain stadia and um, you know you can you can drink within view of the pitch which is totally different conversation in itself but I tapped him on the shoulder and was like no no not dear please mate he's like okay I'm really sorry really sorry I didn't understand didn't understand sorry sorry and couldn't be more apologetic because it's just a respect thing and yeah. you know it, it's it, it would happen anyway you know if there was if there was someone as you say saying saying things out of turn you know you, you get a tap on the shoulder and like uh, you know not not at that round here mate it's like you know nipping in the bud um, sort of thing and you, you'll get a warning and you know 
if it, if it happens again, then like I can imagine you'd probably be told to leave. Um, and yeah, it's just it's sad that we we constantly have to deal with this. Um, you know, when I can't remember what Brentford fans were like last time they visited Anfield, but you'd like to hope, you know, Brentford seemed like a nice sort of club, you know, the the stadiums, the community, Brentford Community Stadium, you know what I mean? They, they are a, a homely sort of, you know, well-run, smaller club who were doing well for themselves. But if they come up to Anfield on Sunday and they partake in such songs, then, you know, you, you, you're tired with the same brushes. You know, the likes of Newton, we were just smallest, mindless idiots um, who need educating because, yeah, it's, as you say, it's a privilege to be to be invited to on field to support teams and and for me that's the only thing I can think of as as you say a, a good idea would be yeah let's overcharge them but I think it's a it's a nationwide sort of initiative where you can't charge more than thirty quid for an away ticket which you know rightly so in terms of you know traveling around to support your team and the cost of public transport or you know hiring coaches and whatever to get around this country is is farcical or we've got to find a way to to educate these people one way or another and if it ends up being you know the punishing them because of their actions then then so be it because we can't stand for this anymore not in 2023 you know it's been years and years since Hillsborough and yet the the same things are dragged up week on week year on year for the families and the the people who are sadly affected by it yeah and um, we always say it was our club, but it could have so easily been yours. It was our people, it could have so easily been your people. And the thing is, the more that you do this, the more you normalise it, and the more likely you are to make it happen to your club one day. That's what that, that's one of the other downsides to this. There's so many downsides to it. And another thing, just quickly as well, on the Feed the Scouts, is that song is based obviously on Feed the World, which was originally a single that was put together because loads of kids were dying of starvation in Africa. So, you know, it's just like, have a brain, have some compassion, have some sense. And if you can't be nice, shut up. You know, that's the other thing you can always do. If you're not capable of being nice, you can surely just shut your gob for a five minutes. Um, you know, that's that's the other answer to it. Um, over the course of the games, though, I mean, we can't go through, well, we can't go through six games. There were so many of them. Um, but just, I mean, just for quickly, there was the 2-0 win against Everton, home again against Toulouse, 5-1 win. Forest home again, 3-0 win. Bournemouth went away, that was in the cup. 2-1 win, Luton away again, 1-1, and then to lose, yeah, we lost 2-3 last night. Um, one common thing through some of these games at least, and we were just talking briefly before we came on air, was um, it's this big question, it's like almost becoming an elephant in the room, which is, are, are we going to have to give in on having Trent Alexander-Arnold as a hybrid player? Are we going to um, carry on using him in that way, without making changes in the defence that, that work, or are we going to, um, you know, I think the, the the problem I've got with it is, it feels like we're stuck between two things. You know, if we're going to play a player who can be a right back and then be a midfielder during the game, then you probably want to play a player who can be a left back and be a centre back during the game. And if you can't do that, then you probably don't want to do anything of that sort and just stick with your four defenders two of whom can be attacking fullbacks. Hello, I'm here to annoy you. I'm here to annoy you into listening to more of me and more of others on EPL Index. 
we don't just have the Anfield Index stuff. We've got EPL Index as well, which covers the entirety of the Premier League. And we have three podcasts and a whole bunch of really good writing on EPLindex.com. The podcasts are my own two-footed podcast, which is every day at 4 p.m., Monday through Friday, covering the whole league. We have a Tad Predictable hosted by Tadiwa. You know Tadiwa. He does Anfield Index. He presents a Tad Predictable before every Premier League match week. And then Kevin DeVries and his crew on the EPL roundtable there every week after the Premier League match week. So make sure you listen to everything we're doing on EPL Index and follow us there on Twitter at EPL Index. Thank you. Bye-bye. Yeah, I'm I'm slowly falling out of love. I mean, fastly falling out of love, so to be honest, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of bored of this. It's not even experiments anymore. It's just set up. Um, and I just think we're, we're hindering ourselves in, in so many sorts of ways by playing Trent where he is. Um, so I've not got the exact sorts of statistics to hand in terms of is he being more creative or you know is he more sorts of dangerous in what he's doing um, but on the eye test alone you know it doesn't feel as though we're getting all we can out of Trent you know he's got a wand of a right foot you know many would say you know he, he's technically probably one of the most gifted players we've got in our team and, and across the league what he can do with a football um, and he may well feel as though he's more suited to a midfield role um, but with our current personnel availability and the way we're setting up in games I feel as though we're hindering ourselves in other parts of the field so it goes without saying obviously we're short of a, of a true defensive midfielder and a defensive midfielder in the Liverpool teams of what we've seen over recent times has tended to do all the dirty legwork and you know fill in for the fullbacks or whatever but that's when Trent was a right back and Andy Robertson was left back and we were raiding down the wings and and stretching the pitch, but we're making things so narrow by starting Trent mm. in the middle of the field. Um, we're playing a de facto back three, and as we saw last night in in the Toulouse game, you know Costa Simicus isn't isn't a back three defender. Um, you know that's that's plain and simple. You know his strength is getting wired, getting the ball out of his feet, and whipping across it, um, not trying to be you know a hybrid left back centre half. Um, if we had a left foot to Joe Gomez, absolutely perfect for it. But we couldn't be deploying Joe Gomez there, and he can do a role. But when Joe Gomez, Joe Gomez progresses up the pitch, like we see in Luton, you know he gets gets the Jamie Carragher's about him. He gets the halfway line, and it's like right check mark mm-hmm. because I don't really know where to go from here. He kind of needs to lace his head out to get further down the pitch, and. Then, you know, we, we sort of recycle the ball back around again. And with the midfielder we got in the right side of the ball now, Dominic Sabozlai, he likes to drift inside and, you know, play more narrow than what we were getting with the likes of Jordan Henderson, who would actually voluntarily go quite wide. And Mo Salah likes to come inside because he's left footed on the right hand side. So we, we, we're making ourselves really, really narrow. And I found in in times watching us from standing behind the goal in the cop, we are so narrow as a team, and you just think like we're struggling to break teams down 
in the first half of games. Go wide right, you know, make make the pitch wide. You know, with it, football is a simple game. You know, let, let's play it nice and simple. And if trying to force balls through the middle where teams are quite happy, you know, with a couple of big centre-halves and a couple of midfielders sitting on top of them, which teams tend to do it on field, you know, we're just playing into the strengths. Get the ball wide. You know, you've got a wicked delivery with the right foot. We've got strikers who like to get on the end of things, you know, albeit they might put things over the bar from two yards and Darwin Nunes is things. But, you know, Diogo Jota's got a killer instinct. You know, Darwin himself can put the ball on the back of the net as we've seen over recent weeks. And Luis Diaz, if he's, you know, of a mental state that will not be personally affecting us as recent times have shown, you know, drifting in from the left-hand side. We've got players in the box then who can, can put the ball in the back of the net, but trying to squeeze the, the ball through an eye of a needle, I kind of think we're, but we're having on the band with a toffee hammer and we're not going to get much out of it. Um, I would like to see us just go back to basics, even within games and 15, 20 minute spells and say, right, Trent, you're, you're wide right, you know, as a full-back. You know, whoever the left map may be, whether it's Simicus, whether it's Gomez or where Andy Robertson returns himself, um, you know, spread the pitch wide and, you know, use our quality because that's what, what won us trophies under Jurgen Klopp. And yes, we've evolved and yes, we brought different personnel. And, you know, it was it was called for in terms of the midfield that was aging, but I feel like we're, we're really forcing an issue now and it's, it's becoming quite predictable and teams are very, very quick to, to figure out how to play against them. As you know, like Luton, with all due respect to them, are a championship lower-end team and they figured out, you know, you, you be compact, you, you, you pack the middle of the pitch, you know, you frustrate us and all you do is you look for the out ball because we haven't got a right-back and at time last week we didn't have a left-back. So you, you put the ball in the channels. We're playing Brentford this weekend who have got two players who love to attack down the wide areas in Visser and Boomer. I feel like we're asking for trouble. And then the other side of this international break, we've got Man City away. 12-30 once again must be added. But just don't revel in joy of that game if we're going to play this setup. And Doku, Foden, Grealish, Bernardo Silva drifting into their wide areas. It just it just feels like we're asking for trouble and we we are gonna have to find other ways to play. You know, there's there's more than one way to skin a cat, as they say, and being so predictable, it is not what we should be doing. We've got players of quality there and we need to use them and we need to use them in different ways. Yeah, and I think that that, that was it. When we first started this, it was a bit of element of surprise, like, oh yeah, he, what's he doing? And um, you know, players weren't expecting it, other teams weren't expecting it, and there was a bit of um a bit of an advantage as soon as the element of surprise is gone um, a club might say right well we don't know if he's going to do that this weekend but just in gator years here's what we're going to do here's how we're going to tackle tackle the situation in terms of them coming at us but also here's how we're going to exploit them because we know that if he does do that there's a hole on the right and this to me this is one of the biggest differences is that I mean for years going back years and years and years watching Liverpool you'll see a player kind of go out with a normal position you know they're not they're not rigidly, rigidly um, consigned to those particular, you know, there's no rule that says Andy Robertson can't go more than 10 yards from the touchline or anything like that when he's when we're going forward. Um, when players do 
are out of position, there's other players in the team that spot it and deal with it and cover it and make sure that everything is covered. Um, but when Trent goes to the middle, it doesn't really happen. It just sort of, I don't know, it just doesn't seem to kind of be a thing where where if he suddenly went to the middle unexpectedly, that wasn't his normal role, there'd be an instant thought from another player, right, Trent's gone to the middle, right, let's make sure we're sorted on that side, let's make sure we're ready on that side in case there's a counter or anything. And it doesn't seem to happen. Um, it's just a different approach. Um, and I agree, some of the plays, like, I mean, putting Costas, he's signing a new deal, and since then he's had some terrible form, but maybe that has got something to do. I think it has got something to do. Don't know what that was. Um, he, has got, he has got something to do with being played in the wrong way. I, I, the thought that comes to my mind is I just can't imagine John Arnarisa um, being used as an extra centre-back and it ending well. He just... The whole thought of it doesn't work. And Costas is, you know, if you're going to compare him to what kind of player he is, he's more John Anarisa than any sort of left-sided um, centre-back kind of player who could play in both roles. And I think as well, if, if we're going to play Gomez and two other central defenders at the back, then, you know, you can maybe have one of the other central defenders covering on the left and Joe can be more to the middle or to the right. You know, there's other ways of doing it, but this idea of just having him it just doesn't work. I mean, I'm totally, totally with you on it. And I think what we're doing as well is we're, so we're making Costas lose his confidence. You know, every day that he has a bad game is going to affect him. We're making Trent, we're weakening Trent, in my view, you know, play him in one. I mean, by all means, play him in midfield if you think there's a role there for him. But otherwise, play him where we've always played him and let him play to his strengths. Don't have him in this halfway house thing where it's just going to be over time that's going to wreck his confidence as well. Um, we see McAllister being played in his role as the sort of the, the nearest we've got to a defensive midfielder. Again, we're lessening what we've got with him. You know, we're starting to ruin that player almost. I mean, there's still time for it to be turned round, but it just feels like, you know, we've got all that talent and we're just using it so badly. And I'd forgotten, I can't remember the last time I'd seen a Toffee Hammer. Um, but, you know, you're right. We're using the wrong tool for the job. It's... It's just annoying because, yeah, as you, as you rightly put, like, Mikhaos is coming in for a lot of slack and it's not his fault because he's been asked to do something that he's he's not equipped for. You know, he's, he's what? Let's, let's be generous to Mikhaos today. He's, he's 5'10 and probably 11 and a half stone, wet through with a wet t-shirt. Um, and he's been asked to, you know, challenge players of 6'1", 6'2", like 13 stone athletes who I've got pace, and that's with all due respect to Alexis. Again, he's he's not blessed with with a turn of pace. Um, he's pe- he's blessed with a with a turn of pace in the brain. You know, his, his football brain is 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 highly intelligent than most. But you know, we're asking the lad to do a lot, and the same with Endo. Like, we brought Endo in, and you know, he he was you know he's come from Stuttgart. He was he was lauded as a you know a solid system in the Bundesliga, um, and. The Bundesliga isn't the same calibre as the Premier League. Just ask Harry Kane, you know, he's, he's banging in hat-tricks like the golden in fashion. Um, Doesn't even need penalties all the time. I know, like, he's, you know, he's, he's put himself up there for the Ballon d'Or if he carries on. <laughs> um, but, you know, the, the German League to the, the English Premier League is a step up. And, you know, Endo's finding the pace just a little bit too fast. So, with a body light in there, um, you know, going into this weekend, we're, we're missing a McAllister through suspension. You know, 
tactical yellow card some may add against Luton last week to make sure he's back from Man City and um, you know it, it could well be be mentioned you know but you know we are where we are and um, you know Curtis Jones has, has picked up another knock I don't actually know what the what the severity is but I think it was mentioned by Klopp a few days ago in his pre-to-lose match uh, press conference that Man City is probably when he'll be back which isn't ideal Um because I do think we've missed him massively. Gravenberg had a knock, which was why he didn't go to Toulouse. Um, who else are we missing? Thiago is Thiago's Thiago. I think he's he's got a sponsorship deal with the uh, physiotherapist, or he's, he's he's doing something that involves a lot of medical research, and he, he's not actually being a footballer. Um, young Stefan Bessetic seems to be picking up these niggly little knocks and bumps, and it's taking him a while to get back fit. Um, so, so we're dancing the very bare balls this weekend, and there, there could be an argument to maybe yes, you play Trent as a conventional midfielder in a midfield three, with maybe Endo and Zaboz like, but then you're left with the well, who plays fullback? Because as you mentioned again, Simicus is not doing the best audition for the left back role, and you know Gomez is a centre half just filling in as and where we're needed. So we're, we're, we're kind of we're kind of struggling. Um, I think we we do. We do actually need this international break as soon as it comes to us, but we're we're not doing ourselves many favors in, in trying to force square pegs into round holes at the moment, and it's it's making things a bit ugly. Um, and you know maybe the fact that we're forcing formations and tactics, you know, is hindering us and it's making us so predictable that teams are like right, we will just pounce on that and. And we'll strike, you know, and it's worth the teams. Yeah, and, and that's it. I mean, I think, um, I mean, as, as far as the city game concerned is, I think coaches who are who are decent, all due respect, it's sort of you know you can almost go and get you know you can go and ask Chat GPT how do we beat Liverpool, and you'd probably get an answer um, if Chat GPT understood the internet and, and modern day stuff. But you know, it's that kind of thing. You can go to an AI machine, excuse me, and say how can we beat. Liverpool, and you'll get an answer that kind of gives you the, the instructions. If you put a, a coach on like Pep, who, you know, the kind of coach people love to hate and all the rest of it, he knows his stuff, and there'll be an extra ingredient in there with him in, in ways he can um, exploit us even more than what other teams have. So um, it, it's, it's got to stop, in my view. Um, and it's a thing that maybe you can throw in occasionally when you are playing um, so-called lesser teams, when you are playing teams that are just... Um, showing no interest whatsoever in 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 trying to win a game or whatever, you know, not even being bothered about counter attacks and the rest. In other words, not very often in this day and age. Um, you know, it's been an experiment. I, I have no problem with people experimenting with stuff in football. That's how you find things out. Um, but stop when it's not working. Just have the you know have the courage to say, okay, we're worth trying. We've done it. Let's move on. Um, or at least you know park it until you've got all the ingredients you need to do it properly. Um, and talking, I mean, this is just, I was. I went onto the club site just quickly to see if Klopp had anything to say about um, Toulouse defeat or anything about this weekend's game against Brentford. And there's a nice surprise on there. Um, Anfield Road stand update. New images show completed upper tier seating and concourse first look. So they've got all the seats now in the Annie Road upper at last. You know, that's something we've sort of watched over the course of the season. And there's some pictures in here. There's pictures of some lights 
inside and um, lots of concrete and things. But yeah, it's starting to take shape. Um, the concourse pictures look just how I would have expected them to look, to be quite honest, um, at the beginning of July. But, you know, fair enough. Um, there's been progress made and it looks like um, the club are at least trying to sort of show some willing, show that they're trying to get it get it any further. I don't understand how um, anything much has changed since the last announcements, which was basically they still need to work out what needs to be done before they can say how long it'll take. And they've also said there'll still be a requirement to hold a number of test events in order to satisfy all health and safety regulations as required by the council. So going to be interesting to see what they are but they reckon the events will happen before the end of the calendar year um and then when they have a safety uh, and if assuming they get a safety certificate the top tier will open in a phased approach so um it's still not going to be that soon before the whole thing's open but i don't know a little bit of progress maybe um maybe by the time they're open we'll have a new central midfielder Quite fascinating, yeah. I, I did actually. Uh, I seen a post. I think it was last night um, from someone tagging Casey Images, and if no one knows who they are, they're basically the you know the, the drone people, um, yeah. who've been you know given regular updates of of the Anfield Road stand, you know, inside and outside and all around the stadium, basically, and they're the sort of well, what's the word I'm looking for? Sort of like, you know, authorised uh, people to to publicise pictures. Um, obviously, the, the pictures that have been put onto the LFC site that may possibly be from uh, the KC images and um, obviously allowed photographers to be inside and see the, the current updated sort of concourse or whatever. Um, and I think the there was a tag on the end of that post basically saying the, the hope and aim is that we're open fully for the upper tier and the Anfield Road and a full capacity Anfield for Chelsea at home, which is currently penciled in for Wednesday the 31st of January. So it's the very, very end of January. Um, and as it stands, our current calendar is Monday the 1st of January. Um, we are at home to Newcastle and then we have no other home game until that Chelsea game. Um, that is obviously... Dependence on the FA Cup draw, which um, third round and possibly fourth round are played in January. Uh, yeah. The third round is uh, weekend of the 6th, 7th, and then the fourth round is weekend of the 28th, uh, 27th, 28th. So if we get home draws, there's a potential, obviously, that we might allow some capacity in there. Um, but it, it is positive that we're seeing we're seeing progress um, and yeah I think you know the the installation of the seats is more of a you know look look at this lads you know people coming to see the stadium and, and looking at empty sort of concrete rows um, it's it's not a nice look and you know especially now you know it's full of red seats um, it does look a lot more pleasing on the eye obviously what's going on underneath still needs a lot of work and touching up and finishing off to do um, and I'm sure the club are doing everything they can to make sure that happens but yeah aesthetically you know going to the ground uh, this weekend it will look a lot better for, for anyone just to see that it's full of nice shiny red seats rather than rows of you know concrete I don't need a VPN I've got nothing to hide <laughs> 
This is what I used to tell myself before I hooked up with LibertyShield.com. Not only is my home internet now fully encrypted, but I can now access all the websites I want, whenever I want, and do so from absolutely anywhere. As a Liverpool fan, I love to know I can now watch every match, regardless of whether it's on UK TV or not. My Liberty Shield VPN makes sure nothing is blocked and guarantees me super-fast streaming speed throughout that match. You can get connected right now with their software package, which includes a 48-hour no-obligation free trial and instant access to their apps for Apple, Android, Fire TV, PC, Mac and Android TV. Or go a step further like I have and get one of their pre-configured VPN routers. These small but powerful devices allow you to easily connect every device in your home to VPN, making it the perfect solution for smart TVs, mag boxes and games consoles. Visit libertyshield.com today and use coupon code AIVPN25 to get 25% off at checkout. Yeah, I mean, that's it. I've seen, I mean, um, just to underline how how good our month or whatever, oh, sorry, our, our few weeks has been um, most solid one player of the month, Premier League player of the month, I assume. Um, but a lot of the goals that he scored at Anfield or whatever, you know, you, you see the the highlights and it's there in the background, isn't it? Whichever end you score at, this it's there in the background at some point in one of the replays. Um, the empty seats, not sorry, the empty seats, the, the empty spaces for seats. Um, empty seats is what you see in the background. At, um, let's not name them. Um, <laughs> Somewhere we'll be a half twelve in a couple of weeks. Yes, um, that's where the empty seats usually are. Um, but you know, it, it, and, and I agree. I mean, cosmetically, you know, just just handle things better. And um, we didn't handle the whole thing well with how we sort of sold tickets for a game that we weren't sure. We could not argue that we were sure we were going to be able to give people seats for. Um, but you know, it's it's a start um, that we're sort of realizing that we've got to sort of. You know, think a bit more about what things look like as much as uh, as anything else, and you know, just put a bit more thought into things. So I'm glad they've sort of got the idea to say, let's stick some some seats on. Um, you know, and well done to everyone who's done them. Hope they're all all well sorted, and there's no one, um, you know, left us any any traps. No blues working on it, leaving any little traps or anything. But I'm sure sure we'll hear stories soon of some liber- uh, some Everton shirt that's been buried in the concrete. Um, what usually happens, um, just. I mean, looking ahead, um, that game is against Brentford. Um, it's not it's not a game that we should be worried about, but you, as you pointed out to me in the week, um, and we're back to the old topic, and this will sort of ties in a little bit with last night's loss against Toulouse. Um, certain guy from Wigan is going to be involved, isn't he? Yes. Um, you know, the, the deadly duo of Mr. Paul Taney and... Uh, Stuart Atwell, if I remember rightly. Um, yeah, I think... Was it Spurs last season was the last time we seen Paul Tierney? Um, he seems to have a, a weird connection with us and Spurs games. You know, he was the referee who sent off Ali Robertson, but not Harry Kane, down at the Tottenham Stadium a couple of seasons ago. And he was the the referee which basically tipped Klopp over the edge um, at the back end of last season. Uh, in a game that we obviously eventually nicked after um, Diogo Jota broke for Charleston and Tottenham Hearts and, and ran down the other end and scored. But yeah, it's, I suppose on one hand, we're going to have to have at some point 
Um, and I'm trying to take a very small positive out of a very terrible decision to have him in charge of the Liverpool game is that at Anfield this season we have been very good. Um, you know, we've, we've had a few struggles on the road, but at Anfield we've just tended to deal with our own business and, and get the results and fingers crossed, you know, it goes as straightforward as straightforward can possibly be in a home game against Brentford. They are a tricky team to play against, but the least amount of controversial decisions that that fella's got to get involved in, the better. But it's Paul Tierney, and if the game is going swimmingly, he will insert himself somehow and make himself the the villain of the piece because that's just who Paul Tierney is. Um, he won't have tried to, uh, far to travel home, you know, Greater Manchester isn't that far away from from Merseyside, so yeah, I'm sure he'll have a, a quick journey back home and he might catch, you know, the Manchester City Chelsea game. Um in which case he'll probably wear this this Chelsea has for that one because why would he want Man City to win when, you know, they're the rivals of this supposed beloved United? Yeah, but you know, well, you might be one of the glory onto ones who's like starting wearing the City shirts now instead of the United <laughs> ones because they're doing better. Um uh, and if you want to get the train home, I've not got it in front of me now, but there was something on Liverpool Lime Street's Twitter account. I mean, train stations have Twitter accounts now. Um, this is so corny as well, but heading to the match this Sunday, we've got a game plan to keep you safe. Queuing systems will be in place at the station from half four until eight o'clock. I don't Why? Why are the queuing systems... For Liverpool against Brentford, I don't, I don't know. But anyway, if Paul Tierney's wanting to get the train home, he needs to take that into account. But I don't think he would get the train home somehow. Can't see him walking down Lime Street. No, don't think he'd last, would he? Um, let's be honest. Um, yeah, he's, he's one of them. Um, and yes, again, you know, we 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 are in the situation where we don't want to be discussing the man in the middle, but. You know, we probably will be. I think it it was best summed up by, you know, Anthony Taylor's last ten days of refereeing, where he made an error and was relegated for a weekend and you half know, half a weekend. Didn't he do the Fosley fourth official for our game? Uh, yes, so he was yeah. he was a he was a referee for um, the Preston game. I can't I can't remember for the life of me who he played on Saturday. Fourth official for the Liverpool um, game at Luton, and then he was awarded the Champions League game in midweek. You know, you know, so so much for the punishment for doing bad at your job that you know you're given a, an easier weekend in terms of going down to to Preston and you know not having to deal with the the vitriol of Premier League stadiums and the little little jolly up in Europe somewhere. You know, it's not too bad, is it? Being a ref. No, no, I mean, it's probably gutted that he couldn't get another job, you know, join the Saudi Arabia jolly train or whatever, wherever the other ones like to go to. But, you know, it's a start. But um, I think, I think though, last night, PGMOL got a favour done for him um, just briefly at the end. I mean, Liverpool were awful, did not deserve to win against Toulouse. In my view, they went into the game sort of half-hearted, um, almost thinking the job's done. Um, doesn't really matter this one. It felt felt a bit like that. Um Certainly, that's how they played. But right at the end, there was a chance for a young lad. You know, he's he's come through from the reserves from the from the academy this season. Um, really starting to make a name for himself, looking like a real player for the future. And he steps up. Kwanzaa goes and scores the equaliser, the undeserved equaliser. Let's be honest. Um, 
and then the most bizarre three minutes of football. I say most bizarre because it's, it's hard to say if it is actually because there's that many bizarre moments in footy. But but basically, you know, we had a referee showing us that it's not just PGM or OL referees who haven't got a clue. Um, it just seemed embarrassing. I mean, it, it would have been an amazing moment for the young lad. Um, it would have been a point rescued for us against all odds. But why should why should the referee the referees thinking why should they get the headlines when I could get them? It was well, first of all, it was wrong the wrong decision because you know with a ball deflection, a player's body into their arm, um, and that player isn't directly involved then with a the goal, um, then it's not handball. If the ball doesn't go in the goal, the direction of the goal after coming off the hand. It's not a goal. It's not a, an offence. Um, and it was 18 seconds that elapsed. I think there was a phase of play where Toulouse actually could have cleared the ball and didn't. They gave a back to us. Um, all before, you know, Kwanzaa, who has done very well. He, he, he had moments last night where he, he was struggling, but I think the whole team was on the whole. Um, you know, what a moment that would have been, rescuing the points and getting your first goal for the club on a European away day. It would have been, you know, Want to tell the grandkids about as they say, but it was it was the circus around, you know, VAR clearly give the instruction to the referee um to award the goal and it was very clear on the on the television. Um he pointed to the semicircle, whistled, yep, yeah, that's a goal. And then he seemed to turn round and face the benches. Now I might have to pause from Tim Phil from an Evertonian here, but <laughs> it looked as though the Toulouse bench was of the direction of his eye line. And then all of a sudden you can see he mouths the word handball. And he's like, oh, dude, what, there was a handball? I should have been checking for. And all of a sudden he trots over, like, checks his earpiece and trots over to the monitor and he's once again presented with a still image, you know, seed completely planted in this fella's mind of Alexis McCarthy's arm and the ball, you know, next to it. <laughs> and, yeah. you know, that that's all we needed to see. And he wasn't stood there for 18 seconds watching how much of an effect it had on the rest of the play, whether it was in the same phase or anything either, was he? No, no, and, you know, the, the Man United fans, I didn't see the United game tonight, like, which, you know, just for, for context, was, was comedy that they lost in the way they did. But but Marcus Rashford was, was trying to shield the ball, and the player comes in on his blind side, and he ends up standing on his ankle. And it's a sheer accident, you know, we've seen it ourselves with Kersas Jones, you know, these things can happen. Or presented with a still image, the referee sees it, red card, off you go. And, um, you know, it, it needs to stop happening because it's it's affecting games, you know, it's affecting outcomes and, you know, financially, maybe for Manchester United, you know, they could lose out on millions if they don't qualify for the next round of the Champions League. Um, and, you know, I think we'll be okay in terms of getting out of our Europa League group, but you know, these decisions are they're not given a full context. They're presented in a way to sort of what do they say, this is what we want to happen. So we're just gonna show you this. We're not yeah. gonna show you in real time. We're not gonna show you the whole scenario. We're just gonna show you the decision that we already want to come to. So here it is, there's the evidence, get on with it. Yeah, and if you what's the point in calling the referee back? You might as well just say to him, um, oh you you're wrong referee sandball. No point. No point calling him back. Um, and if you are going to call him back, it's not hard to put it. I mean that 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 VAR screen you see that at the side of the pitch during the match, 
and it's just got like the logo hasn't it like the Premier League logo on or whatever it is whatever the competition is it's not got that that screen is not showing footage of the game all the way through like a little t like portable TV in the corner um, when he goes over to it he should still be showing that logo and then when he gets to it he should say right I'm here um, press play and the pressing play should be real time views of the same incident um, with him able to say can you show me from the other side can you show me from uh, a bit further back a bit further forward but the the initial view and I'm pretty sure this is what was said about VAR anyway the initial view should definitely be in real time um, because you know, let, let's face it, a lot of the time the ref will have seen this incident, but from where he was, he wasn't sure. So he's already seen it, and you're just giving him another couple of angles at the, at the same speed to say, um, oh, right, I missed that. Or, no, no, I was right. This is what I thought. This is exactly what I thought. That's why I didn't give it. Um, it's not hard. It's not rocket science. But um, the, the funny thing, though, the last few weeks you mentioned, Anthony Taylor, is um, a lot of other clubs who were like basically taking the piss out of us for what happened against Spurs are suddenly uh, crying themselves, aren't they? Which is a huge shame for them. Um, but never mind. Um, when they say things even themselves out, it's a load of nonsense. But one thing I will say is that, um, you know, don't laugh too much at other people's misfortune because of the chance that it'll happen to you. Um, a few clubs have found that out. And I'm sure more will the way refs are. Just hopefully it's not us. I hope we've had our hope we've had our dose of it for this season. I guess I've had enough. Um, looking ahead otherwise to Sunday then, Apart from the ref, um, have a quick look at what Klopp's had to say. Um, he's saying it's super challenging to, to play Thomas Frank, a bit of respect there, um, for different reasons. He said he's not sure they're 100% happy with the season and losing Ivan Tony, the player that he was for them, really is brutal. But the stable in the table, probably what they want to be, um, you know, and looking at getting through the situation now and when he's back, use him again. But, um, he said he's, he's saying it's well organised had a few problems in the season I would say to get used to the game without Ivan but when you look at the table they're in the middle with his tendency towards going up um, so he's bigged them up quite a bit um, he's saying it's always interesting to play them difficult as well so again I mean a lot of it's respect but um, there's part of me thinking we should be actually saying that going into games now we should be saying you know what these are going to be hard so we've got to have everything ready you know um, we shouldn't be going into a game like, like you never ever expect to see us going against. I mean, when we play City, no, no idea how that game's going to turn out. But I'd be surprised if we didn't see hundred percent from every player the second they, they step foot on the pitch against Brentford. We need to still do that, but we seem to play against teams like this in a sort of like we go on at fifty percent. We've just got to get out there and after, the, especially after the last couple of games, get out there from the off, get the crowd on the back. You know, don't wait for the crowd um, to get you going. You get the crowd going. From the off, that's that's the way we're going to win games this season, surely. It has to be. Um, I, I've never understood how you know we can be so different from game to game. And if anything, the last two games that we've had this week have shown you know the the mentality of complacency that we're just you know we're better than these and we'll get through it. Um, it's not worked. You know that that should be that should be rammed down the minds of these players in, you know, today, as Friday as we are and, you know, Saturday and going into Sunday that, you know, you might you might actually be better than these players, but go and prove it because if they want it more, they're gonna take it. You know, Luton proved, you know, at times they, they wanted it more, they won they won more challenges. Um last night against Toulouse, you know, they they, they played the Bikaji the first twenty, twenty five minutes, but then they thought, you know what? 
we, we can have a go at these. And uh, they come out second half and flew at us. And, you know, we, we brought better quality players on and, and we looked worse, you know. So it, it no no game is a given. You've got to go out there, you know, it's a it's an honour to play for the pool and you've got to prove that you're worth the shares. And, you know, we've always said it, like, the effort is what's appreciated at Anfield and we need to see that on Sunday. You know, we need to see 100% from every single player starting 11 and then any of those that come off the bench um, because this game will be easy, you know. And yes, Klopp is very respectful towards Brentford and Thomas Frank because they are a very good, solid team. They're set up very well, um, you know, and they, they do a lot of good things. So can I can see it, it being a tough game um, but I'd like to hope that we come out on top and just in reference to VAR before we finish if you want to know how to deal with VAR just go and search Iago Aspas former Liverpool player VAR and watch his reaction to last weekend right I will do um, definitely just just quickly on Klopp again he just on um, he was asked um, if it was, well, he's asked about about Endo, about his adaptation to the team, and also if Trent might be a midfield option moving forward. Um, I mean, without reading everything he said about Endo, he's basically saying, "Look, players need time to adapt," and he's sort of, you know, he's defended him, he's done a good job, etc. You know, he's fitting in. There's still things he needs to do. Um, he, he refer, you know, kind of refers to Andy Robertson taking a while to get in, and I think he's suggesting almost that Endo's maybe playing a bit sooner than he would have done, maybe, um, and also. Um, it's got nothing to do, you know, he, he may well start in the Premier League, he's saying. Um, he said he will definitely start games in the Premier League, not necessarily this weekend, but he will do, he said, 100%. Um, and then on Trent, he says it's a possibility to to play him in there. It's, it depends on the situation, the opponent, on a lot of things we know he can play there. For us, if we just put him there, then we lose one of the best right-backs in the world. So we should not forget that completely, at least. Of course, he is an option for that position. I mean, basically... He feels like you have forgotten that, Jürgen, because you keep on playing him as a right-back who isn't really a right-back. So um, hopefully you've remembered that. That might be the best way to put it, lads. Um, you've remembered he's one of the best right-backs in the world and let's play him there when we can. Or play someone else there and play Trent in midfield, stop messing about. Um, just one final point, really. Good news, I think. Um, last weekend, a player... Um, was it last weekend? My camp feels like it. Um, Luis Diaz lifted his shirt up to say, you know, he'd got the equaliser and he lifted his shirt up saying freedom from a dad and that's happened this week, hasn't it? So that, that's been one of the moments in football where you think, shit, football's not everything but I don't know, I feel like I hope he starts on Sunday because I really think um, he'll be up for it. Yeah, I think that was a touching moment last weekend when, um, well, that's been the weekend before you know, when when the situation had transpired that his dad had been taken. Yeah. Um, you know, there was his name rung around the ground and showed support even when Jota scored his goal, he ran and grabbed his shirt, didn't he? And yeah. and held it aloft. Um and you can see what a tightness squad we are and, you know, the the effects of, of what's happened to him would have been felt by all the squad. Obviously Diaz more than any. Um he's been through a traumatic time and I imagine he probably just wants to get back to Colombia during this international break and see his family um, and give his dad a hug. But yeah, I'd love to love to see him off with a goal at the weekend. That would be, you know, uh, a nice way to sort of end this whole ordeal for him. And yeah, as, as we've seen 
you know, images today, he's returned home to his family and we hope to God that nobody has to go through that again um, because I'm sure there's been an awful time for him being so far away from his family to decide the world and he, he, he saved us last week um, and we owe him a good reception at the weekend and, and hopefully, you know, getting him on the score sheet and, and showing how much we appreciate him as a player as well will will be felt all around Anfield. Yeah, I mean, it's he's, he's, he's going to be good to see him back at Anfield, back at home, or our home, as we call him. And um, I think the way we rallied around him as well, um, as a squad, it's kind of like the Scouts thing to do in a way, wasn't it, as well? Um, looking after each other. So, you know, good. good I mean, a, a, an awful story with a happy ending. Um, you know, and actually say, I hope it never happens again. hope this weekend he gets to play, gets to score a goal, gets to go off in, in happiness, and then gets to go and see his mum and dad again. Because... You know, it's a long way from home and he'll have been killing him. Um, it would have been awful, but it's sorted now at last. Um, whether we're sorted at last, I don't know. Um, we'll find out on Sunday. Um, but for now, as always, thanks to Jay and thanks to you for listening. We will be back soon. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement. And we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, We'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds, and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.